At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. I want to begin this morning with a uh, little public service announcement. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the calendar reads November 29th. November 29th. Everybody got that? Let me try that again. Everybody got that? Okay. Now, here's what that means. That means your Christmas tree is already decorated. That means the lights are up outside of the house and all of your presents are neatly packaged underneath the tree, right? Almost. Well, at the Bent's home, I want you to know that we got a little bit of an early start this year. Typically, we are a little bit later than this. We do that in the uh, month of December. We got a little bit of an early start. So we are two out of three. How's it going at your house? Good. Same. All right. Good. Excellent. Now, for those of you who didn't respond, some of you might be thinking, uh, Pastor, it's, uh, it's November. It's still November. You just said that. It's still November. I got plenty of time, and I want you to know there is no pressure coming from this pulpit. There is no pressure coming to decorate and to dig in and to get started. The reason that I highlight the calendar is because it is not just the final Sunday in November. It is officially the beginning of the church calendar. This is the first Sunday of the liturgical calendar, also known as the first Sunday in Advent. Now, that word is one that you've probably heard a number of times. Many of us might be familiar with the term, many of us might not be. So I want to go ahead and uh, remind us of the meaning. The word Advent comes from the Latin term Adventus, which means the arrival or the coming. In the Greek, the Greek version of that word is the parousia, which was used at the coming of Jesus in the human flesh. That's obviously what we celebrate at Christmas. And then also it is used in Scripture when it speaks of the second coming of Christ that is to come in the future. So as we begin this Advent season, we're going to be looking closer at what believers would describe as the greatest and most significant arrival, the most significant coming in human history. God entered our world as a child. And it's in this Advent season that we find great beauty. It's in this Advent season that we find great mystery, but also a significant amount of history. And so today we begin a new sermon series. It's titled Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, and it's going to highlight all three of those. We're going to be looking over the course of the next few weeks at the beauty, at the mystery, and at the history of the coming of our Lord. Again, over those next few Sundays and Christmas Eve, what we're going to be doing is looking at the special gift that we receive in our world is the coming, the advent of the Christ. Now, before we dig into Scripture in terms of this week and what we're going to find, let's pray together. Gracious God, we turn our hearts to You 
as we open your word. We acknowledge today that your word is true, its truth has everything we need to walk in your ways. It has everything we need to navigate this life so that we can walk in your ways in the midst of a culture that is weighing heavy on our hearts today. God, for many of us, we just celebrated a very unique Thanksgiving. People who used to be at the table are not. People who often are joining us couldn't. And yet in the midst of that, we still have a lot to be thankful for. And one of those things is your word. So as we open it now, would you meet with us through the power of your spirit? Would you give us eyes to see the truth that's found on its pages? God, we need ears to hear the truth. And then the boldness to live out this truth in the days and the weeks ahead. And we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are, in fact, kicking off a new sermon series. It's titled Gift Wrapped, and in this series, I am just going to tell you, just going to lay it out there, I'm personally kind of fired up about this series, not just because it's the Word of God, which is enough, but I'm excited about this series because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a number of things that take the Christmas narrative all the way back to the Old Testament and see its significance in the coming of the Christ. We're going to be looking at the coming of Christ throughout Scripture and what the covenants in the Old Testament point to in the person of Jesus. We're going to see a series of covenants that are going to highlight those three words that I mentioned a moment ago, the beauty and the mystery and the history that is involved in the coming of Jesus. So often when we hit this time of year, we open up the gospel, one of the gospels, and we tell the Christmas narrative, and that is good and that is right. But this year I'm excited because we get to look at the covenant of Noah and then the covenant of Abraham and the covenant of Moses and the covenant of David and then ultimately the new covenant we have in the Christ, in the Christ child who comes. Now, I've just mentioned a word there that many of us are familiar with, but maybe we don't know the significance of its meaning. We talked about Advent just a moment ago. We're going to do it again here. The word was covenant. Covenant. I believe that a theologian by the name of O. Palmer Robertson gives us the most theologically rich definition. Here's what he says. He says, a covenant is a bond of life and death, sovereignly administered. It's a covenant of life and death that is sovereignly administered. Now, here's what that means in layman's terms. That's the most theologically rich, but let me bring it down for us. Here's what it means. It's a lifetime commitment initiated established by Almighty God. It is a lifetime commitment initiated and established by Almighty God. So this is what we're digging into over the course of these next few weeks together. Let's begin by turning to the Scriptures. We're going to grab our Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 9, and we're going to read the first of these covenants. You're going to find Genesis uh, chapter 9, verse 8 on page 7 in our church Bibles. If you're looking at the ESV, uh, we're going to be reading at verse uh, 8 in chapter 9 of Genesis. Hear the word of the Lord. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, 
I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. God desired a bit of a fresh start. He desired a bit of a new beginning, and that's exactly what he is initiating here in Genesis 9. This is the sovereign beginning of something so significant that it truly changes the lives of all who follow. So very significant. But in order to have a deep understanding of what we've just read to appreciate the significance of what God is offering us here in this covenantal framework, we have to go back. We have to go back a few chapters earlier to the garden. The garden is that place where Adam and Eve walked with God in unity until they didn't. Let's pick up the narrative from Genesis 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew, they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Friends, that right there is the narrative of when sin entered our world. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They had perfect unity and they chose to disobey God. And because of their sin, all of us, you and me, have been tainted 
with what theologians refer to as original sin. That means we are wicked. We have a sin nature. If you don't believe that, look at the person next to you. That that was a joke. You can go ahead and look at the person next to you. Say, you sinner. You see, the sin that is prevalent in my heart and in your heart began to dominate the lives of Adam and Eve after the garden. It began to grow and it began to perpetuate in through their offspring. Things got so bad, in fact, that God said, I've seen enough. I've had enough. So he decides to bring his judgment on all the peoples of the earth. It's a familiar story, but here's the narrative from Genesis chapter 6. It said, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Does it say he saw the goodness of man? Because that is what the narrative happens to be in our culture. You and I are just good. We're good people. We're fine. That's not what the Scripture says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him to His heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. Think of the weightiness of that statement. But then we get to verse 9. Then we get to verse 9. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God showed favor. God showed mercy and grace to Noah and to his family. It's amazing, actually. God warned Noah of the flood of truly epic proportions that was to come. He told him about it. It was a powerful display of favor and a display of commitment that God decides to spare Noah and his family from that flood. But I want you to know, He didn't just stop by sparing their lives. He did something far more significant. Noah and his family were the recipients of something new and something significant. And that's what we're reading about in our text today. Look with me at verse 8. It said, then God said to Noah and his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth at God's choosing. Noah's family has become the first covenant recipients. They are the first covenant recipients. You see, Noah and his offspring are chosen by God to be vehicles for renewal, vehicles for redemption and restoration. But keep in mind, when they came out of the ark, they are the human race. And just as God had done with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, God tells Noah and He gives Noah some guidance in the text that came just before our text today. He says, be fruitful and multiply, 
increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. That was the wording that he gave to Adam and Eve. This is also the wording that he gives to Noah and to his offspring. God has given them his faithfulness, but he's also given them a renewed vision for what's ahead. Now, if you can enter into that story for just a moment, you can imagine that Noah and his offspring needed that word. The world that they had known would never be the same, would always be different. And in its place was this exclusive relationship with Almighty God. It's a beautiful picture. God has given Noah and his offspring a binding, lifelong commitment. God has established a covenant promise, a covenant promise. For us to understand the significance of that commitment from God to Noah and to all of his offspring, we have to return to our text. Let's look at Genesis 9, verse 11. God says, I establish my covenant with you. Who's doing the establishing? Try again. Who's doing the establishing? God is the one who is doing the establishing of this relationship, that never again shall shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. I promise you that I will not do that again. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The reality is Noah and his offspring have just been through something incredibly traumatic. All the people that they knew, gone. What they knew, what they experienced, gone. All of it. It had been destroyed by a flood, by a holy and righteous God. And then we get to verse 11, and God offers them a promise. He says, what you've been through, the rain, the loneliness, the unknown, the pain all of it, that'll never happen again. That will never happen again. And as you might be able to imagine, if you can enter into that story for just a moment, that promise was huge. It was so very important to God's people in that moment because like any of us who've been through something significant that hurt us deeply, If we've ever been through something where we left confused and we did not understand what was happening around us, or if we've ever experienced loss to the point where we don't even know where to start again, what we need is an affirming promise from someone who loves us. That's what we need in this moment, and that's exactly what God gives to Noah and his offspring. In those covenantal words of verse 11, Noah and his family are reminded that they can know and they can trust the fact that God is good. God is good. Now, the reality is this is a pretty significant word for us today, isn't it? I mean, really, if we evaluate 2020, many of us are hurting more deeply than we can than we could have ever imagined at the beginning of the year. When we celebrated the new year of 2020, we didn't think it would look like this, did we? Others of us right now are so confused, we don't understand what's happening in our world, whether it's the virus, whether it's the economy, whether it's politics, all of it seems to be in chaos. 
And still others of us are just trying to piece things together to get the emotional and financial footing to start over. And it's in those real-life struggles that God's purpose for you needs to be affirmed. God's love for you needs to be affirmed. We need to be reminded of God's goodness. And that's exactly, that is exactly what He gives in this covenant promise. So, believer, I want you to know that you can trust God's goodness. In spite of all that has happened this year, you can trust in the character of our God. So, we know the covenant recipients. We understand that there's been a covenant promise. Now, we get to the third important aspect of our text today. Let's look at it. Genesis 9, verse 12 is where we'll pick it up. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all the flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it. God says, I will see it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. You see, God in this moment provides for Noah and for his offspring and all who follow, all future generations, a sign of the covenant. God has given them the sign of the covenant. It is big, it is bold, it is bright, and it is spread across the sky. The ESV translate the word as bow. Other texts say rainbow. When the rainbow is in the clouds, that's when God's covenant people can see the sign of His faithfulness. When the rainbow is in the sky, in the beauty of a rainbow, God tells Noah and his offspring that he will remember his commitment. I want to pause right there. Because I don't want us to go down this, this track where we might think, well, does God forget? I mean, like I went to the refrigerator yesterday and opened that thing up and I couldn't remember why I was there. Is God like that? No. God doesn't forget like you and I. The Hebrew word here used for remember actually means to act upon a previous commitment to act upon a previous commitment to a covenant partner. So this means that when God sees the rainbow, He is reminded of His commitment to never again destroy the earth by flood. It is a solid commitment. It is firm. He has made a covenant with His chosen people, and God is bound by His Word. So the next time you see a rainbow in the sky, I know for us it might be a few months, but the next time you see a rainbow in the sky, 
I hope it reminds you that God made a covenant with Noah and with his offspring a millennial ago, and it connects with you as a follower of Christ. Now, I know there are other meanings of rainbows in our culture today, but I want you to know that is not the meaning that God gave to it. The rainbow is a reminder to God's covenant people of His faithfulness, of God's faithfulness. Now, it's in this faithfulness that you and I are called to consider. We're called to reflect upon the beginning of the Advent season. Because the reality is this part of the story is a really wonderful part of the story and it looks fantastic in our children's Bibles. But what happens when you read on a bit further, the reality is Noah's story is not one of faithfulness. Noah's offspring, as we continue on in the book of Genesis, perpetuate the sins that were practiced before the flood. So instead of thinking that these are whitewashed people, the reality is their lives continue to be marked by sin and continue to be marked by rebellion. You see, in spite of the flood, there was a new beginning in the earth, but there wasn't a new beginning in the hearts of men and women. There was no new beginning. Instead, there was hate, there was theft, there was adultery, there was murder. Those things continued to flow from the heart of men and women. So, what did our covenant-keeping God do? He made a promise, didn't He? What He did is He began to establish a series of covenants, a series of covenants of commitments with His creation so that you and I might experience new beginnings. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the course of these next few weeks. And this is why, as your pastor, I stand before you and I get excited about the Advent season because it is the coming of Jesus And in Jesus, in Christ, the one who came to bring God's kingdom to earth, that is where you and I will find a true new beginning. Only through personal faith in the one who died to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine can you and I experience life. Can we experience joy and peace and all those words that this season brings because it's found in a covenant relationship with the holy God. And so as we draw near to the close of this very difficult year, it is my hope that you will find your new beginning in Jesus this Advent season. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.